We care about our land more than somebody down in Ottawa. A land code puts the First Nation into the power of government. The biggest point for me is your ability to protect your reserves lands. Former chief of our community had the vision to sign uh, and the guts to sign that framework agreement. Business at the pace of business. I think it just proves that First Nations lands management really is working. The good thing about land code, we don't have to sell it. It sells itself. And joining me now on the Land Decolonize podcast, all the way from Chiatkin First Nation near Chilliwack, British Columbia, if I'm right, is Grand Chief Joe Hall. Great to have you with us. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, as I like to ask all of our, our guests, Grand Chief, maybe take a few seconds to describe your community and where you're located. Well, our community is located in the Fraser Valley of British Columbia. Uh, our, our adjacent neighbor is, is Chilliwack. Uh, we're about an hour uh, west, I'm sorry, hour east of Vancouver. So we're, we're probably kind of through the gateway to uh, the interior, uh, through the uh, Coquihalla and the, and, the, and the Fraser Canyon. So we're, we're located on, on the major routes uh, that go from uh, the ports and, and Vancouver to uh, the interior. How have you seen things evolve since your initial contact? Well, I, I've, I've actually been really impressed uh, with the evolution uh, of the communities that have joined on uh, and entered into managing their own lands. <clears throat> it's, it's, it's been, if anything, it's been exciting to watch as communities continue to, to see the advantages of taking control of land management. Having, having myself in our community uh, elected, I think, in 1985 or something and you know, we were a long ways away from where we are now, but but having experienced all of the challenges uh, with respect to, you know, improving your community, uh, both from an, an amenities point of view and also, too, from an economic point of view, it was very, very, very difficult because too often, we, we, you know, we were subjected to uh, waiting for federal approval on, 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 on the simplest of, uh, of bylaws and to do things to try and improve our community. So that was a major obstacle when we, you know, back in that time, we saw a lot of things that we knew we could improve on, but there was a process and a red tape, very drawn out and difficult process uh, through using the Indian Act. So, uh, you know, I know when I see these communities that are joining on, you know, across Canada, I know the kind of excitement that they're going to feel and, and, and they're going to enjoy having, you know, those authorities uh, uh, right there in their home base. Austin Bear of Muscaday First Nation in Saskatchewan was telling me that years ago, a company from the States had planned to go up and create a manufacturing plant at Muscaday, but then found out it was probably going to be two or three years before federal bureaucrats gave their blessing and the company just went poof, you know, forget it, we'll go somewhere else. That's that's precisely what I'm talking about, like, because the economic windows, they don't stay open very long. And quite frankly, you know, developers or investors, they're not going to wait, um, you know, to, 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 to move forward because opportunity comes along, they want to move right away. And, and we found that, you know, if there were some bylaws or some things that we had to, to put in place, uh, minimum 40 days, you know, response from the Department of Indian Affairs in order, you know, and at the end of that 40 days, there was never a guarantee that it was going to be, yes, we support that bylaw or, or no, it's not going to happen. And so it, and it was, that's what was the most frustrating part of it. And as well, too, uh, not having those authorities, the local governments around us, like whether they be regional districts or municipalities, 
really didn't have the types of uh, of respect for our community. And too often, you know, we I experienced when you know in my in my term on council and as chief, is that uh, these neighboring governments would go to the Vancouver Regional District of of Indian Affairs and talk to them, but not talk to us. And essentially, you know, the the, the those offices in Vancouver were, were were making decisions or or doing things unbeknownst to us, and it just. It didn't do anything to build a relationship with the with our neighboring governments, whether they be municipalities or uh, regional districts. Following that, after land code, which was when two thousand eight, I think. Yes. After that, how did you notice that relationship or those relationships changing? Oh, without a doubt, the relationships, uh, working relationships with our neighboring municipalities and regional districts, and even the province of BC improved vastly it, it, it's it's almost a night and day change insofar as that i i believe first of all that uh, they 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 had built more respect for our ability to to, to govern and manage our lands uh, on our own <clears throat> and i think to some some degree as well too i think they perhaps were growing tired of dealing with the department of indian affairs in ottawa or in vancouver even so uh and with that, oh, I just can't talk about you know how many how many things that changed when when the city of Chilliwack all of a sudden you know was was uh, was working with us with the development of, of infrastructure. Uh, too often we found or we found that uh, a lot of the infrastructure around our like like our reserve was a black hole, and if anything, the infrastructure was that was on our borders were capillary uh, types of infrastructure. So. Anytime that we needed to do something in our community, we had to do massive off-site development to bring the size of the infrastructure uh, to our community. So, uh, you know, we got more, we, they, they brought us into doing planning and what have you so that uh, there wasn't a need for us to tear up off-reserve off uh, lands to put in bigger infrastructure. So uh, the relationship was without a doubt, uh, it, it improved. Can you take me back to the day of the ratification vote? First of all, how nervous were you, or did you think it was uh, it was looking really good? I wasn't as nervous as you know people might think because of the fact that well, a couple of things. I, I've throughout my my thirty years uh, uh, working as as part of the Chiacton political government, I've had the benefit of having an excellent council, and I, I can't say enough about when you have an open minded, you know, prepared to work and doing the best for the community. Uh, you can make changes and you can do things that are going to benefit the community. So, you know, number one, uh, that was that was good. So, and so I felt a good connect between them and and, and our actual members, uh, as well. Too another incident I want to share with you is that there was a biomedical waste incinerator uh, a company that wanted to build on our reserve, and this is this was you know before we had uh, uh, land management controls, and it would have gone forward. Uh, because the Department of Indian Affairs, quite frankly, I don't think they they much care about what's going on. They see an opportunity, they follow it by the book. But this certificate of possession owner came to came to the council, and we arranged for presentations. And at the end of the presentation, after the biomedical waste people left, uh, our community members felt really uncomfortable with the level of science uh, that existed. Uh, at the time, and they couldn't answer a lot of questions about what kind of detrimental effect it would have with our community. So, thank heavens, the 
the CP holder, the certificate of possession holder in our, that had the lands, uh, decided against it. And because, quite frankly, the Indian Act would have allowed him to go ahead with it. So in any event, our community then under very much understood uh, the the um, vulnerability uh, of other developments coming along without having any kind of control with the with the community living there. So uh, obviously, with the when the land management code came along, uh, and, and we were able to put in land use plans, zoning plans, so that we don't have you know mink farms right next to residential areas or school. So. That, I think, in the end, made it very much possible for us to move ahead with uh, better, larger controls, local controls, on the, on the future land development in our community. Yeah, interesting. So how did council decide to uh, educate membership and communicate with folks either living on reserve and off reserve? Well, we have, uh, we have a, a, a Chiacton Lands, uh, or sorry, Chiacton Advisory Committee uh, that's made up of... Um, a member or a member from each of the families that is in our community and that that body was was in, is instrumental in a number of things um you know selecting you know perhaps uh who gets a house when the, when the, during the the old housing program and as well too communicating with with their other family members and and so we get a bit of a feedback and we understand what it is that that uh, that might be of concern we raise it because we had we had uh, we have regu we had regular uh, community meetings back then and uh, and we shared with them where we were going and and that's why I said I wasn't that nervous because of the fact that, you know at those meetings um, we were hearing that the the community had no problems with it and wanted to move forward there was like we have a um, as I said we have a certificate of, of possession holders and most of which makes us more interesting and and why it's more of a success story is, is like 98 percent of Chiacton's land is held by certificate of possession owners so there are a couple of very large holdings obviously we're we're more concerned but at the end uh they supported they felt it too that we had a better chance of protecting uh, their land or their investments future investments uh if the control was here and not in ottawa is that rare for so much land to be held by CP? Yes, yes, <laughs> it it can be a curse, and so this this couldn't have come along at a better time. Is to is to have you know the ability to set in place zoning plans and land use plans. Uh, we actually had set up a, a bylaw, a land use bylaw, in advance of this, which basically authorized existing uses. Um, uh, that that are there now, but anything that had they wanted to change that it would go through a process with council, and of course when we we had uh, uh, the land code uh, uh, put in place, then it, it basically you know entrenched all of that 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 there would there be a process for for uh, uh, rezoning uh, areas. I was watching you on a video, and you had referenced the fact that you've seen a change in the attitude of membership from prior to land code and land code coming in and, and the community having further lawmaking powers. How has that change manifested itself? I, I think uh, one of the, the things that I talk about, while there are definitely economic development advantages uh, that we've seen with respect to the ability to move at the speed of business, um, one of the things that I've, I've really focused on, you know, during my, during my time uh, on, on council was the the social part of it and 
I, I feel that uh, um, the people needed to have more of a say, and 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 it's obvious for a number of reasons. If you want a level of participation of community members, you've got to make sure that they're they they have an ability to 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 share their concerns and that their concerns are are heard. And so I, you know, by doing this, um, there was, you know, the there, you know, obviously there are there's always going to be dissidents, and whether it's from your community or family members that are in a neighboring uh, uh, First Nation, uh, they'll raise issues that you know you're giving more control, uh, you know, to the council, and and you'll have less control, and you won't have any say, and and you know I think that's probably the largest uh, you know um, crit critique of uh, of where we were going. And that was easy to dispel because we said, no, no, you're going to have more control because truth be known, if we wanted to do something under the Indian Act, we could do it. And uh, it, it could be done unilaterally. You wouldn't have any say in it. And and we don't agree with that. And that's why we need to see this change. We need to, for our children's children, we want to make sure that uh, there's a process in place that so that, you know, moving ahead uh, is going to be in the best interest of not just you know any particular individual that's interested in developing lands but that's also going to coincide with the best what's going to work best for our community and the membership in itself and what's what's going to be in in our community because when like we did you know one of the the interesting things is that we were able to to do development on Chiacton and take our our um i, I guess it would be our, our our requirement for federal funding from you know, it was probably in the 90 some odd percentile range down to less than double digits percentage of our total income was coming from the Department of Indian Affairs. And and that was that that was, a, uh, I believe, um, a winner for our community members to know that we were able to do that. And that uh, and the other thing is, when we made promises, we worked hard to make sure that we fulfilled them because it only takes one, you know, kind of uh, promise and then not come through with it to 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 create more dissidents on the other side when it comes to voting. I'm told that there's some movement now underway, I guess, to bring in some amendments to the legislation that sits on top of the framework agreement itself, I guess. How important is that as uh, the Lands, Lands Advisory Board moves forward? Well, I, I think what we've seen over the years is um, an increased knowledge of what works and what doesn't work in communities. And you know, there's thresholds for getting things passed that that perhaps you know, don't make as much sense today. Um, and and I and I and I also think that you know, there's the the well, I've said this many times just about any legislation is that the federal legislation level, as you go higher up, it gets a little bit convoluted and more complicated and too open to uh, perhaps discretionary. Um, uh, applications uh, to, to the, the legislation. And and it's, it's still, even with trying to get these changes through, there, there's always this desire by the federal government, like, oh, that's too much. Oh, no, I can't do that. Let's put in iffy wording here so that we can always come back and change it. So, and that's what, that's what we're, I, I think we've been trying to do is is trying to, to, to show to them that look at the level of success that we have had here and, and in the communities themselves. They know it because you know the the dependence on uh, on federal funding has been is, is reducing because these communities are 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 able to generate their own revenue, but at the, at the same time, well, not a but, but and it, it's important though to even streamline this further to make it uh, to less red tape and uh, less 
susceptibility to to political gerrymandering, you know, and uh, because you know, I, I've always criticized the fact that what's happening in my community here, Chiacton, in the Fraser Valley of British Columbia, the those 300 or, or between three and 400 politicians that sit in Ottawa are making decisions on, in our community. They have no idea what's going on here. And even like our local political guy would, you know, at times they're not very helpful. Um, they're one voice out of 300 and some odd in Ottawa. And so I, I you know, it's it, it's important for for us to, to change that kind of arrangement and make sure that they can't fiddle with it. Like, like, like any federal government, uh, there's, you don't want legislation in place that can be fiddled with as easy and, or interpreted, um, you know, negatively. So uh, I, I think that's, 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 that's some of the reason why we need to improve on that. And there's confusion regarding, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the act and the, uh, and the framework agreement. There are some folks involved with land code and the framework agreement who have been involved since the very beginning. But in any organization, there's always a need for new blood, young blood. Do you see people rising to leadership positions, you know, younger folks, youth councils, that kind of thing? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think the, the end result of a lot of the, the work that I think that we've done and many of my colleagues have done in their community is they've, they've created a paved road when it comes to governing. And one of my, and the fortunate part I had with, with, with myself and my council uh, uh, that I've had over, the, uh, had over the years is the fact that they were pro taking control. Anytime there was any bit of legislation or administration that we could take that control over, we did. Uh, taxation, um, uh, you know, how we vote, how we, how we recognize our members, how our members are. We did that, and I think what what it's you know having done that and and set up these these regimes where we have controlled like even with the financial management board we you know we've got all of our financing codes we're we've got all of this we've put in place and what it's done now understandably what it's done it, it's made governing our community uh, that that much more easier. Uh, to to do and and people are 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 less are are not as reluctant to be, become a member of government, like because back in the day, who the heck wanted to get on that council and basically putting a target on their back and inviting all kinds of criticism? Well, it's changing now. Like we have, like you know, and even when I left, I you know I had it on council. I convinced one of my council members says I'm retiring. I need you to be on board to keep to you know to to carry on but then after she's left we got young people and oh my goodness it's it, it's it's in, and and i i'd like to think that the fact that we you know set some some groundwork that you know they can can do their job and uh and then build on that on top of that and that's exactly what 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 our young chief is doing and it's it's uh it's fun to watch it's exciting to watch you know this carry on and i think I think it's because a lot of the groundwork's been been done to make it not such an awful thing to be a part of. And now you're getting, you know, more comp people know that uh, there's been kind of a uh, uh, an expectation of leadership. And if if, if they continue to to produce, uh, then they'll, they'll be fine. And otherwise, it, back in the day, it was a, it was just basically a popularity contest. The largest family put the put whoever they wanted on there and. And there wasn't a heck of a lot of production, I got to confess. Uh, but now it's changed. 
And then you build in some of these two-year election cycles in some communities, and it's like it's a Crazy. nightmare. Crazy. You yeah. got you get in, you spend six months, you know, mending fences, uh, you know, from what things that were said during, and then the last six months is getting ready again for another election. You basically only have a year to do things. And given back when land management controls were in a flux, um, you needed two years in order to get some projects off the ground. We're in the middle of a pandemic. It's obviously affected everybody across the country. Does that mean your advisory board and the resource center have to pivot in any way to keep the momentum going? And more importantly, to work with those communities that are now in a developmental phase? Well, I'm not sure how much we could pivot. I think the, the pandemic uh, has has kind of wreaked havoc on meeting dates. And, and, and but I think people are starting to get their their Zoom and, and, and virtual types of meetings up to snuff. But it, I'm not a big fan of it because, uh, you know, you know, I'm, I'm glad it's here and people are able to do it. But face to face is the best uh, when it comes to meeting. It's because there has to be a, a, a tremendous amount of interaction. Uh, when they're talking about, you know, their concerns about, you know, land code, what about this, what about that? Because we went through that. I find it difficult to imagine that that level of interaction can happen virtually. Uh, it, it just, and so, you know, we were fortunate that, you know, back in the day that we got ours done. But I, I, I see that more and more are getting involved in the in the in uh, the virtual types of meetings. And, but I think that's been probably, you know, the the, the biggest hiccup is the fact that you may not get the the level of interaction that you want just because of this uh and plus plus on top of that it, it's it's a it's a i don't mean to refer to it as a distraction but other things move up the priority list um and so it it, it drops because it's not as well i guess in their minds not as critical uh, which is true. I I can't hold that against them. If they've got some things that they need to do to protect their elders or or health health wise, then that so be it. Sure. Just as we as we wind down, perhaps you could spend a few moments reflecting on two things. One, the twenty fifth anniversary and its significance, and the fact that you're you're just sitting on the cusp of having your one hundredth community uh, become operational. The, while the Lands Advisory Board and, and, and the program itself and all the staff, uh, I, I can't say enough about what they've, they've put together and what they've done. And I, I think, you know, the, the group has, has done a tremendous job um, insofar as um, making the whole process user friendly. And uh, I'm, I, I'm not surprised that we're, you know, we're nearing the the 100 mark here with respect to, you know, development, developing uh, uh, First Nations. Uh, this, uh, the the whole, the whole, you know, although it, you know, at, at, you look at it, it seems like it takes a long time to get there. But uh, I think more communities are now seeing that, uh, you know, the, 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 the progress and success that communities are enjoying with respect to managing their own lands. And that, it's no longer a mountain they're looking at to climb. It's more of a hill to climb to get the pro to get to that process because a lot of the trial and error is done. You know, like the the staff at the uh, at the resource center have got all kinds of examples of you know what do we what do we do if this happens, and w when us as board members go out to communities that are interested in signing up, you know we say to them you know the a lot of the roads have been paved already. And uh, and and so it's it's that much easier 
uh, for you to get there. Because uh, I know, you know, even when we got involved uh, and we had our lawyer involved looking at things because we weren't sure and that sort of thing, but uh, we had a tremendous amount of help from the staff. And now it's, it's now their library of, us, uh, of helpful aides is so much larger. And, and so the, it, it, it makes it more inviting for a community that wants to get involved, especially, especially the smaller communities that perhaps may not, may not have the resources, you know, to bring a lawyer in to double check everything. And then when we've got lawyers on staff and everything and, and they've grown comfortable with that, I think it's just exciting. I, the, the getting it, quite often, you know, when legislation through and legislation has been put in place, not necessarily by first nations, but by the government that are, that were meant to be um, helpful to the communities, we're always, you know, we always, you know, we have to stay vigilant that is this good for us or is it not good for us? And the fact that this is First Nations driven is, uh, has been somewhat more um, accepted by the communities. But at the same time, if it didn't produce, we would, we would be languishing in Oh yeah, we're about to get our tenth community or twentieth. That, but that's not the case. It's exciting when we're talking about. Oh goodness, and then more because people look at that. Be, just to be honest, like a community, uh, you know, a, a new council will look at it. Why are we not involved in this? And then if they Google all this stuff or they talk to an RC person, then they'll find out that, you know, hey, this is not as tough or as high a hill or a high a mountain to climb as we thought. Yeah, well, it is great. I mean, I've seen your website, and I know it's under redesign. But to have uh, such a resource of templates and examples and uh, training lessons and videos, and now this podcast out in all the major podcast mm -hmm. directories, so you've certainly helped with that regard. So I appreciate your time here today. It's been awesome to learn more about your community. Oh, absolutely! Thank you, Richard, for having me. I, it's nice to share. I I love it when you know I, I you know when I retired I. I I, I keep working on a couple of areas and and the ones I've chosen are the ones that I know are going to be beneficial to communities across Canada. So uh, it's been exciting. Uh, I, I'm really happy to be a part of it. To learn more about the 25th anniversary of the Framework Agreement and the Land Code, you can visit the website at labrc.com. You can also email the Resource Centre team at info at labrc.com or call toll-free 888-985-5711. I'm Richard Perry. Thanks for listening to Land Decolonized.